Welcome to Wake Up Winden, a show that is covering the Beforeners right now. Used to cover Dark, the show on Netflix, but right now, sticking with the Beforeners. So I'm going through this episode by episode. We are up to episode four. Thanks so much if you've been joining us along the way. I'm your host, Brian Hickey, and let's get into a really fun episode. This one was awesome. The show is really good. I wish more people knew about the show and would talk about it. Um, instead, I have to settle for uh, my own ramblings about it. So, But I think it's really cool. I've seen a bunch of Norwegian pods, it looks like, about it, but unfortunately, I do not speak the language, and I desperately need the subtitles, so I cannot listen to those podcasts. I'm sure they're awesome, though. But let's get into it. This was a good one. So... I've been kind of breaking these down, A-plot, B-plot, C-plot, and I've relegated Lars to the C-plot for today. Now he's going to pop up in the A-plot, but um, for the most part, I thought the most exciting story and really where I think the show uh, really kind of broadens its horizons even more is the storyline with Ingrid and her friend Madeline, pronounced Mada, uh, not, obviously not the full thing, but that's what um, it looks like, M-A-D-D-E. Like, I would have said Maddie or something like that, Mad, but it is pronounced Mada. And uh, that storyline's really interesting. We have the beginning of the episode with the TikTok video, looks like it would be a TikTok video, of the Bend Over Girls. And they're trying to make this video to compete with the Frenemies, of course. You know this, you know the Frenemies, of course. And I think, I guess this is like a common thing, uh, maybe done in Norway, where there's some sort of graduation stunt. They were mentioning like trying to get on the cover of something, be the cover girls for something, maybe a magazine. Uh, not really sure how that all works, but they were rivaling the frenemies, and the route they went with was a time immigration stunt, which I wonder if that's looked. I bet I bet that's pretty controversial. There, I don't think you should be doing that stuff. It involves Mad Madeline, and I should mention that she uses the temproxate that she stole from Lars and. Her and Ingrid both end up doing it. Yeah, like, whatever, let's let's go, let's go nuts. We're about to do this uh, video. This is going to be wild. And they tried this time migration stunt. We have uh, Madeline dressed like a, uh, I almost said the V word, the, the Viking. But, um, but she's dressed like a, a Norse person from the Stone Age, maybe. Or at least like what, you know, cliched or tropey version of that would be that she could buy at, you know, a costume store. And, or maybe they actually have, actual stores for Norse people now that there are actual Norse people in the culture. There probably are. It's wild to think about. But anyway, I digress. And Madeline, she jumps in the water, and as luck would have it, it seems like there was uh, some sort of time migration happening right then and there. We're going to get a little speculation from me on this episode. Um, we have Madeline appear um, almost seconds later with another flash of light. And this time she's not alone. She's with um, other people who have time-migrated. Time yeah, they're, they're time-migrants, you know. It's a made-up word. I don't know why I'm uh, like stress stressing so much over the pronunciation of it. But she's back, and she's a little different, right? Her teeth are rotten, for one. And she just looks like she's kind of been through the ringer. Like, looks like, I mean, it looks like it's been longer than a second, at least. Um, they end up blaming the teeth discoloration on the electricity from the water, but she doesn't end up buying that anyway. And Ingrid goes in to save her, dives in, and that kind of leads us to the cutaway, like they like to do like the beforeigners in like this, you know, mysterious way. 
and they have it like as Ingrid dives in and the background's the ocean or the water and it's really cool. But staying with Ingrid and Madeline, you know, their parents end up getting involved because I believe they're still minors at this point. Maybe they're 17. I'm not sure. But their parents end up getting involved. <laughs> conveniently, though, uh, I, I don't know, conveniently. I Actually, I don't know why... Um, I don't know why Marie wasn't part of this episode. Uh, that'd be Gregor's and uh, Gregor's wife, Lars's ex-wife. I don't know why she, maybe she wasn't there. The actress wasn't there for whatever reason, but she was uh, kind of written out of this episode. She was away in a conference in Central Europe, and maybe that's just to develop the, uh, you know, Lars and Gregor's friendship. That is actually really beautiful in this episode, and um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I I don't know why that she couldn't have been there and like stepped out or something, but maybe that was necessary for, for this to happen. Anyway, um, they get called in and Gregor's wants uh, Lars to know that, Hey, you know, they found, uh, they found some, some, some drugs in their system. And Lars is like, what alcohol? And nope, nope. It's not that it's temproxate, which seems to be like some sort of eye heroin that Lars can seemingly function on. It's supposed to be like the sickest of the sick, very vile. Um, we have a funny line from Gregor's. These like, where did, could you imagine where these sweethearts got this vile, disgusting devilry? And uh, Lars is just kind of like pulling his collar and like a you know like ooh boy, and uh, he doesn't end up saying anything. He doesn't reveal himself to Gregor's. He will not admit this, but he does have a conversation with Ingrid later on, where it is revealed that you know yep that was yours buddy that was yours pops and uh, you know. Don't question me on this because right back at you. So, kind of he's kind of stuck in a he's kind of stuck in a predicament there. It's it's all Madeline's fault. I mean, Mad Madeline's the one who did, did all this, and um, what happens to her is you know probably not just uh, very very much not uh, a just punishment for her, but uh, she was uh she was up to no good. You know, stealing stealing the drugs, not good, not good at all. And then doing the drugs, uh, you know, on the the Bendover Express, um, you know, it's uh, you know, you reap what you sow. Sometimes, jeez, did I just sound like you know, so 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 old fashioned there? Um, anyway, <laughs> the temproxate seems like a little too far. But like I said, I heroin. Come on, guys, come on. Anyway, so we get the scene where. Ingrid is in quarantine, and it's pretty intense. She's in, like, an extreme quarantine. I'm talking, like, you know, plastic wrapping everywhere. You can't get in. There's, like, a, a seal to get in. And um, Mad somehow, like, eludes security. Like, well, I don't know. Or the doctors. I don't know. I mean, I think she'd be under pretty strict quarantine if they were trying to prevent disease or, or whatnot. But what else do they prevent? Um, but anyway, they... <laughs> Mad... Ends up coming in to Ingrid's, you know, lair, and she, she is showing her teeth. It's really gross. She's like, something happened to me. Something happened to me. But she doesn't seem to remember what happened. And this is where I want to speculate a little bit because it kind of seems like she maybe went back in the past for a while, especially with the ending where there's temporal abnormalities confirmed in her file, and also the flashback to the cross. It was very reminiscent of an earlier flashback we saw from another uh, character earlier on in the series. And uh, to me, it seems like she went back in time. And maybe she lived for a certain amount of time there. And she somehow ended up in the, conveniently, in the time, in the, in the next flash forward. Very conveniently, I might add. If that, that kind of pokes a hole in my theory. It seems like 
that would be extremely hard to plan for. Uh, but maybe they can. For one thing, uh, remember a few episodes ago, we had the Bohemian guy who was trying to escape via the water. So theoretically, these time travel backwards can happen. And because uh, he was trying to go for some sort of flash there, maybe get lucky, he gets a random flash and he goes and he's uh, back in the past, back in his time. But uh, obviously they were not planning for this. Now, memory has been spotty um, with people who have time regraded. It looked like um, old What's-His-Face, the king, Torhund, he's actually a real historical figure. Torhund had memory problems in this. So yeah, mis <laughs> and I just had memory problems here. But, yeah, so Tor Hunt had some memory problems, and it seems like time travel does affect that. So maybe it's going to take a little bit for Madeline to put it together, but we'll end up seeing what becomes of this. This is a really cool storyline, and it is only more interesting with uh, the, you know, the pilgrim assassin, who we now know is named Trina, and that she can operate the Exigo Y, one of the top ten, like, deadliest weapons in the world that only 10 people in Norway can operate, she knows about Mad Madeline. And kind of leads me to think, okay, Madeline is a key player here. Um, kind of wondering why and what they want to do with her. And I think she's kind of in trouble if, if she's after her. If Trina is after her, I think that's going to be real bad news for Madeline. But I don't know to what end i think they're obviously looking for people who have time traveled before but they want to maybe keep it a secret okay okay now i'm getting the thread i remember they want to keep it a secret that's kind of been their whole mo now madeline did it completely accidentally so she's not on our radar i think at least that's what i think is happening i think it's i think it's that they want to keep the technology a secret they don't want everybody to know that you could travel backwards in time they must have figured out the formula or something. They know when the flashes will occur. But I think that's what's going on. Feel free to write in and tell me tell me if I'm wrong or tell me what you think. Wakeupwinden at gmail.com. Love to hear from anybody. Um, but yeah, it just really, really, really leaves me a lot of questions about where this is going and what exactly happened to her. Because even if mad madeline traveled back into the past like it doesn't make your teeth rot does it i mean uh okay okay now i'm getting it okay maybe there was no access to toothpaste okay putting together some things okay now i'm thinking about it so maybe she goes back for a lot of time and doesn't have access to the dental care that she used to she'd have to be gone for a little a, a lot while i don't know how much older she looks necessarily she's definitely you know a little more grisly but um you know, just been through a lot, so it's understandable. Yeah, so maybe maybe it just sounds okay, but we don't see, like, the other... It, it, that doesn't make sense, really, because we don't see the other people who come from the Norse period have teeth like that, so really don't know what's going on with that. Be be interesting to see. Anyway, if we stay with Ingrid, we end up following Ingrid back to the, back to the house, and Lars and Gregors are... Well, mainly Gregors is, you know doing the hard press on her like who procured <laughs> love this line who procured the stimulant and she doesn't remember uh she's trying to evade and you know Lars is really quick to be like all right we'll continue this conversation later and you know they get a moment because he's invited in for a vermouth which I thought was really cool it was like I, I like this line he's like we've this this day can't sound on the with a goodbye on the porch you got to come in so for a vermouth and 
vermouth, you know, I'm not, I haven't had too many vermouths in my day. It sounds, it's, it's, it sounds like it would be strong. It sounds like it would be, uh, uh, maybe not the best tasting, but he, he really liked it. I, what am I doing talking about vermouth? Like I know anything about it. Um, I don't know why I'm like equating it with like a Manhattan and I've had a Manhattan once in my life and it was not for me uh, a little bit, uh, too much going on there, but um, yeah, the vermouth, um, you know, maybe if I, maybe I needed an 1800s pipe filled with tobacco to take it to the next level. Cause I really enjoy that scene and I really enjoy the bonding that Lars and Gregor's do despite the lie that's going on behind Gregor's back, uh, with Lars and Ingrid. But why do they bond so much? So a couple reasons, right? You know, Gregor's when we see him in the first part of the episode, he's at the graveyard and we learned that he had a son, Valentin, who um, he died in, a, in the storm when they arrived in this time. Now, I know they arrive in the water, so maybe the storm, like they happen to, you know, arrive on a day where it's just terrible, terrible conditions, and that really sucks. And, you know, so Gregor's is hiding a lot of pain. Gregor's has turned around so much for me. I was not a huge fan in episode one or two, but since uh, maybe episode two is even starting to turn around, but I wasn't a really big fan at first. I thought he was like too rigid, too strict, but he is adop- he's adapting to the time. He is. Um, showing to be very flexible, showing to be, you know, a supportive parent, um, and a, you know, concerned and, and a good and honest parent as well. And, you know, he's telling Lars, um, you know, kind of about the struggles. The first scene they have when he actually tells Lars about Valentin, it's because he has to run out because Madeline's parents are, you know, just terrible people towards, um, towards our guy, towards our guy Gregor's. And they are very accusatory of him. They're like, you know, you don't have to put two and two together to know that um, this is a beforeiner problem. And it's a beforeiner drug. And, you know, how shitty Lars must feel in that situation when he could step up and say thing and really defend Gregor's honor. But he doesn't. And, you know, Gregor's would probably be really pissed if he knew that because he, you know, he takes he takes the brunt of this. He takes, he takes a really just shitty abuse from Mad- Madeline's parents who, you know, are definitely going through a distressful time, but taking it out on Gregor's, you know, it's, it has parallels to the real world and you know what I'm talking about. And Gregor's, you know, he'd be pissed if he knew that Lars wasn't able to step up and defend him because he could have easily, it was his, it was his drugs. Now Lars can lose his job. Lars can, the consequences for Lars are obviously not good. I understand why he's hiding from it. I don't even blame him from hiding from it, but it, it is there. <laughs> it is there that he could defend him. Lars tries to make up for it, right? And he does in a way. He goes and listens to him. He hears about the vandal vandalization of Gregor's son's grave, where it says Nor- nowadays Norway is for nowadays people, and it's just like what Lars says. That's really fucked up, you know. And it is, and. He says that he's going to have security look into it. And just like that little thing, and like it might have even been a throwaway line from Lars, like, yeah, I'll do this, but he really better do it now because Gregor's is like, you would do me this favor. And he's so earnest and happy and like thankful for it. And Lars is like, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. So that was a really cool moment. And I also like when Gregor's is teaching him to smoke the pipe <laughs> and uh, Lars. <laughs> Lars is like, I'm not much of a pipe guy. And like, you know, the subtext is uh, more of a eye heroin guy. But <laughs> Lars, Lars ends up, uh, you know, trying it with him, being a good sport. And uh, he's like, man, I could feel it. 
And Gregor's is like, he's just like, yes, you're doing it right now. Now the vermouth. So they have a good time out there. And kind of this like little thing where uh, they see, they see a couple, you know, it must be foreigners stealing, stealing some apples from the garden. And, you know, Gregor's is extremely chill about this. And he's like, you know, they probably need the apples more than we do. So I'm not sure where that's going to go. You know, throughout, throughout the show, you see like the culture of what's going on and how, how, you know, almost like too realistic the show can be like compared to real life, because you can see how prejudiced people are and you can see how bigoted people can be. And you're seeing it just in a different lens. You're seeing it as if like people from a different time period came over as refugees instead of from a different location or a different country. And it's an interesting lens to look at it through. And yeah, it's just, you know, people are shitty and you see it throughout the episode and like, you can see how they're marginalized. You see like through the opening scene when you get like them in the jumpsuits. I think they get these jumpsuits when they first arrive. And a lot of them, a lot of the foreigners throughout the episode are solely wearing these jumpsuits. Like you see them in the opening credit. So many of them, it seems are homeless. They live in communities um, on the streets and you always get that through the opening title too. And just thinking about how hard it would be to adapt, um, you know, not knowing the anything, like jumping ahead so many years, it must be obviously mind-boggling, right? And the show, I in some ways, like I wish it would go more deep into the issues, but then like they do, they do cool shit, like where they're going to be, uh, you know, maybe exploring somebody going back and forth, like with uh, Madeline. So I am interested to see more of the world and see where this goes from here. Okay, so that pretty much takes care of what I thought was the A-plot. Um, of course, there's a lot going on. You could argue with me and quibble. We might have a different B-plot here. But I thought it would be... I thought the B-plot was the search for Novin's killer, or the weapon that killed Novin. You know, at the beginning of the episode, we have Lars and Ingrid. They are at the crime scene. Really funny moment when <laughs> Ingrid is seeing... Not Ingrid, I'm, I'm sorry, Elfielder is seeing like the bullet holes and she has a flashback to like their old warrior days and she's like oh did you find the spear to the guy running the crime scene and he's like uh he looks at Lars he's like get your girl and Lars is like Ingrid or I keep calling her Ingrid Elfielder I think we can discern that these were bullet holes and this and this is like it, it got me to laugh but I do think that it's a bit ridiculous, right? I mean, she's been trained at the police academy. She knows what guns are. She knows what bullets are. But I don't know. Maybe she's like, maybe she just has like an awesome sense of humor. And she's just like, cause she, she got me with that one. I thought that was good. I also think there's no way that would do it. But I just, I just liked that line. After that, they are, you know, reporting back to the police and there's kind of a time crunch. It's going to rain later that night. There is a wide swath of land that they can look for it in because Navin apparently crawled for like like a long time, a, a, quite a long time is what they say. And he has bruises on his arms and knees. And that's how they discern that. And so anyway, they are searching a pretty big rate, uh, pretty big, not, not huge. It's something that could be done, you know, with a good, good team. But the problem is uh, you got Wenke and nobody wants to go help Elfield or work. And I'm really a little bit confused by this. And I'm also confused how they call Wenke her subordinate. And Wenke is the woman who's been mean to her the whole time. She is like the, the, the mean cop at the, at the station, the mean girl. 
and she is not willing to go help them search. Nobody's willing to help help Elfielder search, and you get like a great back and forth between the two of them, and so nobody's going to help Elfielder. And that's when the chief is like, you know, you might need a little bit more honey with your approach if you want to get your subordinates on your side. Because, you know, she's kind of like yelling at them, we have to do this, we have to do this. But it'd be interesting to me. I, like, I, I guess I maybe understand the animosity a little bit more between Wenke and Elfielder if Elfielder is above her. Um, just coming in, I guess, with no experience, that would be maybe a slap in the face, I suppose. But I always got the impression that Wenke was above her in seniority, but... Not according to that line. Maybe something was lost in translation. I'm not entirely sure about that one. But uh, Wenke, um, she's so mean to Alfielder. She won't even help her. Uh, it's always just like constant needling back and forth. And, uh, you know, Alfielder's not here for that mess. And she'll let her know. Uh, but anyway, the solution Alfielder comes up with is really cool. She calls Lars. Lars can't deal with it because Lars is, of course, helping his daughter. And she ends up coming up with a really cool plan to involve the Norse people, her, uh, including her friend Erd, and also the guy Skald, who, like, actually, like, I thought had loose lips and was, um, you know, uh, you know, blabbing about her, about Torhund, and about her being a Viking, and stuff like that. Not that, I can't remember, he was blabbing, he, he had some loose lips. Anyway, he's there, too. There's an old Sammy, which I forgot to look up, but I'm pretty sure that's Finnish. And uh, if it's if if that's wrong, you'll never hear this. I'm gonna delete that. But I think it's a uh, Finn, and uh, that guy's really cool. He ends up being the one that finds uh, the body. Um, I really love. First of all, they're playing this game called Natball when they first get introduced, and the music is always like just so awesome when the uh, when that group comes onto the screen, and especially Erd. Erd is one of my favorite characters. She's really badass, and they're playing this cool game. I looked it up a little bit. And not too much information from the Wikipedia, but apparently you can hit the ball with a with a club, and you can also use your hand sometime if you want. It was played on ice with lines. Uh, there wasn't a lot of information about that. It apparently is played at you know some Nordic festivals throughout the year. Some college campuses keep it alive. But I thought that was uh, just a really cool inclusion. It was uh, you know written about all the time, and uh, apparently people would travel from all over you know the area to see these games, and they would take from like morning till night it's like it seems like a jk rowling invented sport but uh anyway that's uh what what we got there so i thought that was cool and i also really loved when uh they end up going to search uh Elfielder's trying to be the leader and she's trying to be official and she's like okay we need to set up a perimeter and you know go area by area and then Erd is just like, oh, listen to Nerd Fielder, <laughs> which I'm sure it was probably something like uh, that was a better pun, but it's just like the, how they had to translate it for <laughs> for, for my English viewing. Um, I just, I was cracking up about that. That was, that was amazing. And anyway, uh, even before that, like they, they have this dog Ginsberg and it seems like Ginsberg's going to be a big help. Lars told her to bring a hound and I thought they would bring a police dog, but apparently it was just... It was just Scald's dog, and he was giving him shrooms the whole time, and he did not perform up to expectations. Luckily, the old Sammy was there, and he is uh, really excited about the hunt. He finds it, and it's uh, he finds the you know ton of bullets. And uh, they had this deal where Alfielder would leave her credit card at the club if they found the mystery, if they solved the mystery. 
So it's fucking on after that. It's really awesome. And uh, I did forget to mention because there's an awesome part where Wenke and Elfielder are arguing. And Elfielder's talking about how she knows what human blood is taste, tastes like because it, she knows it couldn't be animal blood. And and uh, Elfielder, you know, has a, a comeback. I forget what Wenke says to her, but uh, Elfielder's like, your snatch dried up 20 years ago and it's, it's amazing. A guy spits out his coffee. It's going to cause Wenke to... Uh, seek some revenge later on in the episode so Alfieder's gonna have to watch out for that the party scene is awesome uh <laughs> they're spending a lot of time with the dj scald the guy who is giving the shrooms up i don't know why they had this part in there it's kind of funny where they had uh he was trying out something new i think he's like the dj normally but he was trying out some spoken word or some poetry and everybody hated it and uh he tried a couple lines and they were like booing him off stage and then he was just like, all right, I'm going back to DJing. And you get like five seconds of clubbing and it's super fun. They're like raging, super hardcore music's pounding. They're like screaming, doing shots. And, you know, you cut to the next day and Elfielder is nowhere to be found at work. And Lars tries to have her back. He's like, I'm sure there's a natural explanation for this. Um, they ends up having to go to her house where the old Sammy's on the window. And I'm like, oh, did something happen there? But no, they are all in the bed together. It's really funny. Elfielder is horrified. She needs to get some headache medicine from Erd. Erd forgets that her doctor's note, her failure to make the doctor's notice is in there because she had lied earlier in the episode. And so she forgets that that's in there and Elfielder sees it, which will lead her to take Erd to, um, which I, I thought was chemotherapy session. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but... She did start her treatment towards the end of the episode. I guess you could just show up at the hospital at any time and they would do it because it was like seemingly, you know, late at night and, you know, she had missed her appointment. I think you'd have to set it up, but maybe they were just happy to get it started. So that's what was going on with those two. And, you know, after the, after the clubbing scene, like actually the, the bosses at work are really pumped for Elfielder and uh, for the findings. They're happy with how the Norse people were used. They were talking. The chief had a good episode, Harold. Uh, number one is reactions with Elfielder uh, and, and the arguing with Wenke. But also, uh, he, was really, uh, he was really pumped up. He, wanted, he, was like, he was like, we need the media uh, to know about this. The minister is going to be so happy. This is exactly what people want. They want the, uh, this integration come, going across. And I was just thinking, I was like, the, 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 the prime minister? Is, is that who he's talking about? I mean, I don't know how how close he has access to him. I could be totally around. What do I know about ministers? But I do think that it is, uh, I, I did think it was funny that, you know, this out of the box thing was, was a great idea and that it just is like so much to Wenke's chagrin because she can't believe that Elfielder is getting applauded for this and she has to do something about it. And she's with this other character, Alex, who is, who's, I, I just can't stand him from the other show I watched, uh, Home for Christmas, another great Norwegian show. But he's kind of a weasel in this show, too. They're looking around, and they're trying to, they're trying to you know, search up any dirt they can on Elfielder. They find out that Erd, her profile is like, <laughs> once a warrior, always a warrior. Which, first of all, could be many things. Maybe she's a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Maybe her high school was the warrior. I mean, obviously, she didn't go to high school. She's not from this time. But, you know... Could be many different things. And, you know, a Twitter profile is by no means like a binding contract. So I don't know how this is going to stick to Elfielder, 
but they say that if Alfielder was a warrior, then she can't work for the police force, which why not? I guess maybe they're worried about flashbacks or, you know, what Alfielder actually deals with, but I don't know why that would preclude preclude her from doing that. And it does make a little more sense to the line earlier on the up earlier on the season where Elfielder was asking Erd, you know, what did you say? Um, I was a farmer's wife, and they couldn't say their true occupation. So, yeah, all fascinating stuff with uh, with, the, with the show. Yeah, it leads to a lot more questions, but really cool. And then the last plot I wanted to bring up was the search for Exigo Y and who can operate it. It's kind of towards the end of the episode, but Lars gets a call from the security officer. And a security officer. Lars gets a call from like some sort of double agent, right? If we're being honest. He is talking about how there's only 10 people in Norway who could operate Exigo Y. And it's that dr- uh, that's the drone that kills Navin. And, you know, uh, they know it was Exigo Y because of the bullets that were discovered by Elfielder. So they're working that through. And so he's talking to Lars, this mysterious man on the phone. And he's supposedly with the cops, but when he hangs up, he ends up calling Trina, I believe, and he wants to meet her in five. And he gives her the file on Matt, Madeline, and that's where she finds out that, oh, they have this trans-temporal um, abnormalities, and which is going to lead to the hunt for Madeline. So, it, or at least what I think will happen. But it is, it, it, I, th- I thought this just episode just like led to a lot. Like, what is going on with the 1800s wannabes, as they call them? Um, why, uh, she, she, she was a very high up member of the army, it seems like, or the military in Norway, if she can operate the drone, or at least she was very trusted enough to do that. So it's interesting that she left and, um, to what lengths are they going to? I guess I just don't really understand what, uh, what their goal is. I have speculated that I think it's just to stop people from the knowledge of time travel, but again, I, I, I really could be wrong on that. I'm not entirely sure where that is where that is going. But, you know, they've been an ominous presence throughout the season. And uh, really surprising that they took out Novin so early. I really thought he would be the bad guy. And he was a character that popped. I'm kind of sad that we lost him. It's kind of kind of stinks that he's not in this on this episode. Um, even though there, this was a really good one, there's a ton going on. So this might be my favorite episode so far. Um, I really like the inclusion of the Madeline mystery and all the questions that that could lead to. And I thought this was like a really funny episode. I thought there was a lot of good stuff. I talked about the nerd failure. Um, it's amazing when Erd is turning on the siren and she's like, let's be cops. And she's like sitting on it like, you know, Eminem from 8 Mile was when he was shooting the paint gun. And she's like yelling on the speaker. She's like... Yeah, listen up, criminals. We're going to grab the city by the balls. It's Detective Motherless and her squires. And she is, she's like very fearful. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow today. I tell you that much. Um, but uh, Erd, Erd is amazing. She's a great character. She is a really, really uh, good asset for uh, Elfielder to, to have in her life. She's helped her with a couple of cop cases. And she's, uh, Elfielder's trying to, you know, pay her back with, getting her healthy, trying to get her on the right track with her, with her cancer treatment. So, you know, some whole, like the wholesome moments too, um, you know, both between Elfielder and Erd and Gregors and Lars really enjoyed those really enjoy how complicated Lars is, you know, that he is, you know, 
trying his best to be a good father. He has the secret. And I'm not saying that, like, his drug abuse, like, I mean, that's, like, a personal problem. I think it's more that, um, you know, leaving it in a place where his uh, juvenile daughter and her friend can get it. And, you know, not having Gregor's back to, in the face of timists. And, um, you know, and still, like, keeping keeping a secret, right? Like, it's um, from, from the parents. Like, they probably have a right to know, like, Lars has this information he knows where it came from. Like, now they're going to be thinking, like, okay, who do these girls know? You know? And Lars could maybe ease some of that tension. Like, no, it was me. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm a goofus. I, I shouldn't have done it. But then it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Because if he comes clean on that, then they're going to obviously, like, not trust him as a father. Like, you're not fit to have Ingrid in the house. And he doesn't want to lose her. So he's he's in a tough spot. He should probably get a safe as the solution for the next time. But um, yeah, that's uh, he's 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 an interesting guy. You know, I think he's the Matt Damon of Norway, and I, I do enjoy him as an actor too. So you know, he's always uh, I did I want I did want to comment. I don't I, I don't think I said this earlier in the episode, but they use the opening opening title sequence and the "Ain't No Love" song to like <laughs> show us that Lars is doing drugs before work and like his, like, route into work. Like, that's commonly what it is. And uh, he does seem to be very functional. Uh, he's not, like, glazed over throughout, and he's, you know, being a pretty good guy for the most part, except for the, you know, deception. But, yeah, so I just wanted to shout out Lars. Thought he thought he had a good episode. And, uh, yeah, just, just a lot of funny lines. A lot of funny lines. Um, they even have, like, is it illegal for the dog to be on shrooms? And poor Ginsburg. Ginsburg got a Ginsburg got a tough time out there. It wasn't wasn't his usual day on the on the trail. Um, okay, so I think that's about all I have for this one. Uh, it's super fun episode. I probably missed a couple funny lines here and there, but it was really really a good comedy episode too. And it surprises me in the show that there's like just moments where I'm laughing out loud. So. Um, I, I try to keep recommending it to people. I don't know if this show is... Is it too tough of a sell sometimes where it's like you're trying to explain that... Okay, so there are people from three different time periods, from the 1800s, the basically 1100s, and the Stone Age, and they're coming in, and it's... Yeah, obviously, I'm not doing a great job of pitching it right now, but, you know, it is tough. It's tough to explain. Like, people, like, their eyes start glazing over as soon as, like, I start mentioning, like, the second time-traveling group, so... Um, I just think you got to give it a chance. Like watch like the first 10 minutes of the show and you're like, oh yeah, okay. I can see where this is going. So yeah, but foreigners, man, it rocks. I'm glad that I have got four of these episodes now done. going to try to cruise out and finish season one in the next couple weeks. Um, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have been, um, enjoying the show, uh, let me know be like super nice to get a few more five star reviews. Uh, if you, have the time and if you are you know if you, if you so think so um been trying to do better with the audio quality i know i don't have a guest so that's a little bit easier on my end right now but you know i've I, i've been reading the reviews under understood <laughs> understood about the guest audio quality trying to work on it i uh, um you know don't i've just you know just started recording i don't know i just thought it was fun and uh, I've had a good time recording it. It's awesome that people have listened. 
Um, it's great. It was cool. I was actually back in the top uh, charts in the U.S. last week, which was cool to see. And um, yeah, it's it's been cool. I can't like I've actually had like over twenty thousand downloads for the show, which is not something I thought would happen. And a lot of that is from like just people looking for sh um, a show about dark. But I'm really happy with what we've done, and I'm happy to see that I'm still getting downloads every week. And thanks for listening. And yeah, feel free to write in anytime, follow on Twitter, happy to talk, um, any shows you'd recommend, happy to hear about those as well. So hope everyone's doing all right out there and I'll talk to you guys later. See you.